Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. This is the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about choosing pieces for your piano students. Welcome back, lovely teachers. I hope you're having a wonderful, beautiful week. Today, I want to talk to you about choosing pieces. So this is sort of a foundational topic, I guess, for piano teachers, but it's something that keeps recurring throughout your piano teaching journey because we need to keep getting better at it, don't we? It's actually a really big part of our job. We do a lot of teaching, yes, but we also do a lot of picking and planning And part of that is picking the right pieces for our students. You'll hear many teachers say or many experts say that a great teacher could take the most boring piece of music and make the student interested in it. However, it is also preferable to pick interesting music that our students find interesting. So today I want to walk you through my process of how I choose pieces. Now first a quick note, I'm talking about what we would often call supplemental books or supplemental pieces. I'm not really talking about method books. I do have many other resources on comparing method books, etc, etc. And I'm also not talking about like classical repertoire collections, because in most cases, those aren't students' choice. Like a collection, a combination of various classical repertoire is great for them to have, but it almost acts like a method book in that it, it has levels and you progress through it. What I'm thinking of here are the other books. <laughs> And the other pieces, such as ones you choose specifically for a recital or just because a student wants to learn some pop music or for whatever other reason. I like to add in supplemental books once my students get, say, about after level two or in the middle of level two of Piano Safari, which is about between a level two and three maybe even a solid level three of some other methods, okay? So not right at the beginning, but, you know, a couple of years into their studies. That's the type of books we're looking for. Now, how do you pick the right ones for your students? Well, step one slash step zero of this system is that you don't choose. Yes, I'm talking about choosing pieces, but I don't actually believe you should choose at all. I believe your students should choose the pieces. Or the books. And I do generally go for books. I will search out one-off pieces, sheet music, when my students have requests. 
or events to prepare for that's something specific that we want to find a special piece for. But in general, I'm thinking about supplemental books. So that's what I'm going to refer to today. But you can substitute in sheet music into this whole conversation. (laughs) Conversation with myself, but (laughs) conversation nonetheless. You can substitute in sheet music all the way through and it should still make sense for your situation. When it comes to adding on extra books, this is where I believe students should make the choice. Because we've been putting up the guide rails from their beginning of their studies up until now. Students have been choosing maybe what pieces they want to play for a recital out of their books that they already do, or making little choices here and there, I hope. But they haven't been choosing anything as substantial as a whole book and so this should be a special moment and the first time I let them choose a book I do make it into a big deal I say okay you've reached the stage now where I want you to decide which way you want to go and start exploring different genres and there's no sense in me picking it because I love all genres of music so you're going to choose what book you do so this is really a core part of my teaching is is this belief that students should not just receive a book from me because I think it would be good for them I don't have this philosophy that, you know, you must do the sonatinas and then you're ready to graduate to the preludes or whatever. I don't even know what order people would say those in. I do go through classical repertoire, but in terms of graduating onto different things, I prefer students to make these choices about different types of music. So I don't send them to a bookstore and just have them have at it, right? I don't just tell them, okay, you go search for something or go on Amazon and see what you like. That would be a nightmare for them and it would result in either the wrong level of music, poorly arranged music, there's tons of that out there, or both. Most of the time it'd be both, the wrong level and poorly arranged or poorly composed. If you just send a student out into the wilderness, you'll even find books out there that are like in publication that you can buy on Amazon or Book Depository that the notation is just like wildly incorrect. (laughs) And it's obviously just been fed into that automatic processing, like it's been fed into computer notation software. Anyway, just horrendous. So I would never send a student out into that situation. What I do is I send them a list of appropriate books and they can listen and or watch performances of those pieces and decide which one they want to do. It's simple, but it's made a big difference in my teaching, a big difference to my students' motivation to learn those pieces and their ownership over what they learn and their whole musical journey. So step one, proper step one, is to find some great piano pieces. So you need to find three to five pieces or three to five books in my case that you're going to send to a student and you're going to have links to each of those. Almost every book, popular-ish book, is available in some way to view or listen to online. You can either search on YouTube or the publisher's website will often have listening samples as well. That part is easy once you've decided on the books. How do you decide on those books? Well, the first thing to do is to understand the level of the books. And this is harder than it honestly should be. (laughs) Now, there is a lot of nuance to leveling piano pieces. I'm not saying it's not a difficult task, but it is not helped by all the different systems in use out there. So I've actually put together a little chart in the blog post that goes along with this episode 
So you can go to the Colourful Keys blog to take a look at that chart if you want to. But I'll give you an overview, an audio overview here. Maybe it'll be clearer to look at it though. So just keep that in mind that you can go look it up later when you're done doing what you're doing, driving or cleaning or whatever you're doing right now. So we have the method book levels. Those are primer or primer as some people say. Level one, level two, level three, level four, level five. Some books will do 2A, 2B, 3A, 3B. I'm not including that in my chart. Those will just consider all part of level two. So you've got primer to level five. Then you've got the names that people use. So what people usually call beginner or elementary, those terms are used interchangeably. That's really equivalent to a level one. There isn't really a term like that that's equivalent to primer unless people are using the word newbie, which I use, but most people don't use that. So that's not that helpful. Then your level two of your method is going to often be called late beginner, elementary, level three, early intermediate, level four, I would also call early intermediate, level five, maybe goes up to intermediate light. <laughs> no, it is intermediate, but in some methods, it's still pretty large notation. So I just keep that in mind. Then you've got your grade levels. And to keep things more confusing, different exam systems use different numbers of grades. So you have either grades one to eight or grades one to 10. Now, where you have grades one to 10, honestly, I think the one using grades one to 10 is splitting up what we would call in eight grades, grades seven and eight. So like seven is really split up into grade seven and eight. And then eight is really split up into nine and 10 in the 10 grade system. That's my approximation of it. And then Jane McGrath really her levels, which come from the Pianist Guide to Standard Teaching and Performance Literature, very useful book, expensive, but very useful. Those levels really line up to the 10 grade system as well. And I haven't said how those equate to your method book levels. So I really consider grade one to start at about level two of your method book or late beginner slash late elementary. And then it progresses from there. So you can look at the chart, as I said, it's going to be a lot clearer, but and definitely bookmark it if you think that's useful. Everything is my opinion. I'm not a publisher like this isn't from someone within one of those houses. And there will be disagreements about everything I say because it is all subjective and it's about what skill order students go through, which it changes by teacher and by method and all of that. But that gives you some idea. So you need to decide what level your student is and then go hunting for some music at that level. Start picking pieces or books in different genres. I would just aim, especially if you're new to doing this, just aim to get three to five choices that are reasonably different from each other. So maybe one is a bit jazzy and one is rock and one is more classical, contemporary, and that's enough. Right? You don't have to have 10 choices. In fact, I wouldn't recommend that. It's going to be overwhelming to your student. Try to avoid that. Sometimes I go overboard and I always am like, oh, why am I doing this? But oh, they're so different. <laughs> but I would recommend three to five really as the ideal number to give your student. So once you come up with three to five choices that you think are sound pretty good, look to be the right level, having previewed the sheet music, are different enough from each other, Go with that. Please stop <laughs> because honestly, you could spend hours and hours and days and days on the internet looking at various piano books. There's just so much out there. You can always come back and find more later or add things on as they as they come up 
in your general perusal. But yeah, for one particular list, just stop at three to five and let it go. If you're a Vibrant Music Teaching member, we actually have a new resource inside the library. It's really a separate library. It's called Recommended Repertoire, and that includes all of the books that I use and love in my studio, the ones that I draw on again and again. It's about 140 or so books in there, and you can sort it all by the level, by the genre, um, etc. So if you haven't seen that yet, definitely go check it out. You can easily get to it from your member dashboard. If you're not a member yet, of course, you can sign up at any time. But if you're not quite ready to take that step, we also have several reviews of books on our YouTube channel, which is Colorful Keys. If you search for that on YouTube, you should find several of my book reviews on there. Now, this step is a lot of work. But the good news is once you've done one at a particular level, you can reuse it next time. So please make sure you save this somewhere that you'll be able to access it later. I use a practice app, which is called Tonara. I just save this as an assignment in there. And then later I look for, I do a search for late beginner books or whatever leveling system you want to use. I use the terms in mind just because I use those in, in vibrant music teaching all the time. So that's what I I use most frequently, I guess. That's what comes to mind. But I do a search for that and the list pops up. And if I want to change anything, I can. Now, you don't have to use Tanara to do that. You could save a list in Google Docs, any other place you save notes on your computer. I just wouldn't recommend doing a physical one because there are going to be links. So you're going to end up writing out, you know, HTTPS colon slash slash you don't want to do that <laughs> make sure it's somewhere digital so you can just copy paste it next time you need it if you keep doing this you'll soon have all of the different lists at different levels and as I say if you find new books you love that you want to suggest or you want to swap old ones out because you're thinking ah, they're not actually that great in that book now that we've played through them a bit I'd prefer something else to be on that list you can just adjust it so step two is to just send the repertoire list to your student using whatever system you use. Again, Google Docs, practice app like Tanara, or just emailing them to the parent, asking them to take a listen. Make sure to give them a deadline for when they need to make their decision. In my case, it's usually just the next lesson. But if it's a bigger decision, like if it's exam choices or something, I might give them a couple of weeks just in case. And then step three is to get to work on the pieces because hopefully they pick them. First of all, if they don't pick them out, if they come back after the deadline, like they come to the next lesson and they're like, oh, I forgot to listen to them. I don't assign that for another week because that can go on forever. I just listen to them in the lesson. I just play them some samples in the lesson. OK, this is the first one. Here's one clip of it. Here's another piece. Here's another piece. Here's the next book. Yeah, it might take about five minutes max to listen to a few little samples. We're not listening to the whole pieces. So the benefit of them actually listening at home is they can listen to as much as they want, leave it on the background. But if it is in the lessons, a few clips and they can see which ones they really love. Either way, they're making a decision by the deadline because if they haven't made the decision on their own, we're going to do it in the lesson. In my case, I have an all-inclusive tuition model, which again, if you want to look up more about that, there's an episode of the podcast about it. But what that basically means is all books and everything are included for my students. So I either pull the book off the shelf and give it to them right then and there, or I purchase the sheet music and print it out and give that to them the following week um, if I 
need to use a printer because that's far away from my teaching space. So that would just take one week. But if you do not purchase books for your students, if they purchase them themselves, you're just going to need to ask the parents to go get it. Then you can get started. In most cases, students will be more motivated to learn those pieces now that they've chosen them. That doesn't mean that they're going to be magic, magically, amazingly motivated and they're going to work through all challenges and always practice if that's not who they are generally. But it does just inch the needle towards being self-motivated to learn something, especially if they really love the pieces. Your one thing this week is to put together your first list. Pick a student who needs a new book right now or might need a new book quite soon and put together your list of three to five books. If you know you're someone that's going to get really distracted by all the lovely shiny music, then definitely set a timer for yourself so that you can only spend so long picking out those books. I would love to hear how you pick out pieces for your piano students. Do let me know. You can find me on Instagram at Colorful Keys or in the comments underneath this episode on the blog, which is colorfulkeys.ie slash blog. I'll see you there. Vibrant Music Teaching Membership costs less than the price of one lesson each month. That is totally worth it for all of the courses, games, resources, downloadables, printables that you can get access to as a member, as well as a fabulous community support you'll find inside. Go to vmt.ninja and become part of the revolution. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.